You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Matt Adams. And finally, the Colts end their two-game losing streak by winning a 33-13 game over the Jacksonville Jaguars in Indianapolis. Um, Not only was it their losing streak that was snapped, but their streak of nine consecutive games decided by seven points or fewer was snapped as well. It was the second longest streak to open up the season in NFL history. And just like that, the Colts are back on top of the AFC South. And they finally won a game without T.Y. Hilton because yes. that, that was another streak another that, streak. that was speaking yeah. of streaks. Seven and one. Uh, it's nice to have something to, positive to talk about this week because last two weeks there there weren't much, there weren't too many things positive to talk about this week. But you know the the Colts went out and uh, they they took care of business at home for a nice thirty three to thirteen win. Their their most dominating win at least. Uh, from the score column this this season, absolutely, and they did that by running the damn ball. Two hundred sixty four rushing yards on thirty six attempts. That it equals out to seven point three yards per carry. It was the fourth time in franchise history that the Colts had two players top one hundred rushing yards. The last time was Albert Bentley and Randy McMillan in nineteen eighty five. And don't ask me who those men are, because I, was gonna I couldn't say, tell you. I, I followed the Colts for a long time, but uh, yeah, those names do not ring a bell for me. A little, little before my time there. I, I bet Chapel knows them, though. Chapel would know them, yes. Yeah, yeah. yes. Um, and he would um, discern me for my lack of Colts history <laughs> knowledge. But Marlon Mack, 14 carries for 109 yards in a BEAU to full touchdown run. Double spin move. One of the highlights of the NFL from the past week. Um you know, as 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 good as Mac played, he probably could have had 200 rushing yards because he left the game in the third quarter, uh, fractured his hand. Really, an odd play where you can't see where the fracture happened. He looked fine and then just kind of left the game. That was his last snap that he played. Yeah, that was one of those those weird things. You know, you go into you back back and watch a replay and you're just like, what what happened there? How did you how did you break your hand? It could have happened uh, maybe earlier and then he just kind of felt the effects when he went to the sideline or it happened on that play and then he was gone and you're just like, what what are the Colts going to do? Jordan Wilkins isn't in there. Oh, don't worry. Jonathan Williams will be Jonathan just fine. Jonathan Williams. Everyone had complete faith in Jonathan Williams for sure. He had 13 carries for 116 yards, added another Catch for 31 yards on, I believe, a third and long play. Third and 19. Third and that, 19. That was actually, uh, we'll get to it. Uh, to me, that was one of the keys. Uh, key That was in a key sequence for the Colts because that was their first possession of the second half. The game was still 10-7 to 7 at that time. They got that first down conversion on third and 19 off of the Jonathan Williams pass play. That ended up with the Marcus Johnson TD. And uh, then the next possession for the Jaguars was the fourth and four that they went for and didn't get. That led to the Brissett touchdown. So that third and 19 play that was, huge. was huge in swinging the momentum to the Colts in this game. And they kind of just swung it out to him as, you don't want to call it a giveaway play, but just kind of... I think it kind of was for them. Yeah. I, I, I don't well, think they expected much out of that. Let's gain some extra yards for field position right. when we punt it, and he ended up getting 31 out of it. Um, Marlon Mack, it was reported that he had surgery on the hand. He's expected to miss multiple weeks. I have not seen any kind of set timetable, but he's kind of just out indefinitely until that hand heals. You hope it doesn't seem like a season ender, but he might not get back till close to playoff time. It may not be. I mean, have you heard a timetable for Paris Campbell? It's not the same injury, but it's similar. It's a hand injury that required surgery on a ball carrier. 
um, or pass receiver in in Campbell's case. I haven't heard a timetable for his return. I'm assuming it's going to be, you know, four or five weeks for him. And um, so probably in a couple more weeks, we should see him back. So I would assume that's going to be four or five weeks for for Mac, which you're right. You're starting to get up into the postseason time there. Yeah, Marlon Mack, um, it was his right hand, his go-to hand, the hand he primarily carries the ball with. Of course, you know, they switch hands depending on what side the defender is coming at them towards. But that is his primary hand. Um, Jonathan Williams. Let's learn a little bit more about him because he may be the Colts' primary running back come Thursday. Right, because he was only in because Jordan Wilkins, Jordan Wilkins left the, the game ankle. last week with an ankle injury. So. Absolutely. Left the game with an ankle. Didn't really practice uh, this week and um, was sidelined against the Jaguars. So Williams, 25 years old, was a fifth-round pick of the Buffalo Bills in 2016. He had just 30 career carries coming into Sunday. He lasted about a year with the Bills. Um, most of those carries came in that rookie season with the Buffalo Bills. And then he kind of bounced around a few practice squads and was briefly with the Broncos, spent some time with the Saints. Um, the Chris Ballard and Frank Wright really talked up and hyped up Williams during training camp. You know, when me and Chapel and Dave were talking about trying to predict who would make the 53-man roster, um, Williams was a guy that was hard to dismiss just because of the way the coaches and evaluators talked about him. And now you see why it it wasn't just they weren't just easy runs where there's a giant hole in front of him every time and he just burst through. He showed um, short area quickness. He showed the ability to break through tackles and some some power, some, you know, not giving up on the play, just keeping those legs churning and taking guys with him a couple of times exactly he ran like he wanted a job and yes, he it did. looks like he earned that job and will probably be the colts main running back thursday unless jordan wilkins can return in time but you know. I, i'd still expect him even if wilkins comes back i would ex- because even when um even when max healthy they usually spell him with jordan wilkins so i would ex- assume even if wilkins is uh, their quote-unquote starter that we'll see some of Jonathan Williams, or if Jonathan Williams is a starter and Wilkins is healthy, we'll still see him situationally spell Williams. Yeah, if Wilkins is able to go, it'll kind of be a you know three-headed attack right, there yeah. with Hines <laughs> and Wilkins and Williams. Um, if Wilkins cannot play this Thursday, Williams will be the main ball carrier because Hines is kind of that scat back yeah. out of the backfield. Yep. He'll get a little bit of increased usage um, running the ball in that game. But that'll that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out against Houston, who's not exactly got a great run defense. Um, but why uh, why can't the Colts have nice things? I mean, it's T.Y. Hilton. It's we just get Jacoby Brissett back now. Marlon Mack breaks his hand. It it just kind of seems like they can't get it all together at once and get this team fully healthy and full powered attack. And it really came to came into back to get him the last two weeks, and then this week, you know, Brissett being in there as a steadying uh, presence and does not make a lot of mistakes. Um, he did have the one interception. We'll talk about that later. It was a fluke thing. Um, they took care of the ball pretty well, you know, in this in this game, and that's what Brissett brings, and that's something that they didn't have the last two weeks when Brissett had to leave the game and they had Hoyer in there, and Hoyer just gave the ball away way too much. Absolutely. Jacoby Brissett looked very good in his return from a knee injury. Um, Jaguars didn't let him just sit in the pocket. They got him off his spot, mm-hmm. sacked him three times. Could have been a lot more. I mean, he shrugged off and eluded 
several sacks. Um, he went 15 for 24 for 148 yards, one passing touchdown, one interception. He also had two carries for 12 yards, and one of them got into the end zone as well, rushing touchdown. But he played far better than his stat line. Uh, the interception was not his fault. It was kind of going deep down the right side to Zach Pascal. He was interfered with, I think is pretty obvious before the ball got to him. Still could have caught it. I believe it still hit his hands. Yeah, still kind of went off his his hands or his, his shoulder pad, like in on his chest. Yeah, there. it still you know landed in a spot where he probably could have made a play on it. Bounced off him and another Jaguars safety coming over came over and made the interception. So that one clearly was not on Jacoby Brissett. Probably should have been either a penalty or a completed catch. Um, he was very mobile. His one-yard touchdown pass on fourth and goal from the one. First of all, I was just shocked they didn't run the ball in that situation, but he kind of almost ran in circles for a little bit. Yeah. Thought about running it in, decided to pull it back, went to the right, and threw a bullet to Marcus Johnson, which I thought was intercepted initially. There were so many Jaguars uniforms around the ball, but somehow he squeezed it in and Johnson held on to it. Uh, what did you think of that play? Pretty much astonishment. I mean, he just was kind of, like you said, a whirling dervish around there trying to find somebody. Then he, he did have that moment where he's like, you know, I think I can run this in. Then he's like, you know what, I don't think I can run this in. And he just kind of kept going, going toward the sideline. And then he fired that ball in there to, to Johnson. I, I, I'm i like, there's no way that ball's complete. And if it is, it's going to the other team. And, you know, goodness gracious, he got it in there. Somehow he got it in there. Marcus Johnson actually led the Colts in both receptions and receiving yards, um, and it was not an impressive line. Four catches for 38 yards of scream primarily uh, was through the ground as far as how they played on offense. But Marcus Johnson um, played a lot of snaps. He was just brought up from the practice squad a couple weeks ago. You know, Deion Kane wasn't getting it done. Marcus Johnson's doing more than Kane was. Uh, he played... Let's see here. I got it right in front of me. 93% of the snaps, 63 offensive snaps in total. That is just three less than Zach Paschal, who led all receivers um, with 97% of the offensive snaps. So they're really getting it done with guys who would be on most teams' practice squads still. Well, and, and Marcus Johnson just kind of one of those guys they must like because they've just kind of kept him around. He was on the roster last year. They had him on the practice squad this year. Initially traded for him. Right. So they, they like uh, what they get from Marcus Johnson. He's not a, a game-breaking, uh, deep-threat type of guy, but you know when, when they needed to play this week, at least on four occasions, <laughs> uh, he, was, he was there for them. So you can't, can't begrudge that. Absolutely. Caught all four of his targets. So you know he's at least more reliable than Deion Kane was in that area. Yep. Kane hopefully will continue to progress on the practice squad. Um, as far as the receiver looks going forward, we'll have a much better idea of this when we record our show on Wednesday. That show previewing the Texans game will be on Wednesday. The game will be on Thursday. Hopefully we have a better idea of if Devin Funches is going to be able to come back and play, if T.Y. Hilton can come back and play. The Colts certainly need them now that Marlon Mack is no longer available in the backfield to give the offense some firepower. Um, 
Someone who was a non-issue in this game was Adam Vinatieri. So we don't even have to talk about him this week, Joe. Exactly. Made his 34-yard field goal, 4-4 four four on point-after attempts. Uh, his field goal was the 709th of his career. That is the most in NFL history. He was previously tied with Morton Anderson. Excuse me. Um, really, overall, the Colts played a relatively clean game of football the two turnovers were pretty fluky we already talked about the interception um there was the fumble on the punt return where chester rogers kind of backed away from it i don't know if he didn't yell out to everyone i thought i heard him yelling clear on the clear on on the broadcast but then again I, i could be wrong yeah well it ended up the ball bounced hit Bobby Okereke, who was, you know, getting in position to block on the play. Um, you don't know if it was just a rookie didn't hear it or if he wasn't listening for the signal or what, but that's another one of those turnovers, which kind of fluky as well. The ball just literally bounced the wrong way on that one. And they, they were they were fortunate because that ended up being a, a missed field goal by Lambeau, I believe, on, on that uh, ensuing possession for the Jaguars because they had good field position on that. But they didn't do anything with the football, and then the Colts forced him into a field goal attempt, and then he pulled it. Yeah, the Colts um, forced the Jaguars to do a lot of things they didn't really want to do. The defense looked great out there. Held Jacksonville to 13 points and 308 total yards. They really shut down Jacksonville's run game, which if you look at the makeup of this team, that's what they that's what they want their identity to be. They got Fournette in the backfield. Um, they want to be able to pound the rock and play good defense, and... Um, they really shut down the running attack. It allowed just 29 yards on nine attempts. Um, Fournette was bottled up, eight runs for 23 yards. He had seven catches for 34. So if you started him in fantasy, I hope it was PPR, because if not, he didn't give you much at all on the day. Um, Nick Foles, on the other hand, he returned from injury as well, went 33-47 of 47 for 296 yards, two passing touchdowns, one interception, um, he's kind of the opposite of Brissett, where his stat line looks a lot better than it was. Um, because you throw the ball forty, you know, almost fifty times, you should be throwing for close to three hundred yards. Yeah. yeah. Um, the second touchdown was in garbage time. There's less than a minute left in the game, so they really prevented Jacksonville from having much success at all on offense. And I thought Jacksonville's strategy they almost took themselves out of the running game. Only nine attempts on the day is really a head scratcher in a game it ended up being a blowout but it was close I mean through a lot of the third quarter really up until like I said that third 19 play really turned the game because that the Colts ended up sort of turning that to 14 points because they scored a touchdown on that play uh the Jaguars were then down 17 to 7 and then on their ensuing position they went for that fourth and four they didn't get it the Colts get a touchdown they had a decent field position out of that they got a touchdown that makes it 24 to 7 and that was pretty much all 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 she wrote for the for the game um but you know you got your it's befuddling and, and I, I guess you know they always say take what the defense gives you or, or what have you but it's befuddling that you've got your quarterback who's I understand you paid him a lot of money in free agency to come and be your quarterback but he's coming off you know a, a broken uh, collarbone injury and your strength of your team is in the running game you really didn't fall that far behind you were only down 10 to 7 at the half it's not like they immediately went down right you know, three scores or anything. And you got him out there throwing the ball 50 times. Um, I, I just, I don't, I don't understand that. 
Um, and I, I didn't think, I don't know that ne- Nick Foles was necessarily rusty, but I didn't think he looked overly sharp either out there. No, there were a few times where he really underthrew his receivers. So I think, you know, the more he practices with them, the more he'll get on the same page with, you know, this is not only his first game back from injury, but or only his second start as a Jaguar. So he was still kind of learning his receivers anyway. His one interception, um, he just kind of threw that thing Yeah, up that there was that end of, the, end of the half. It was funny. The announcers at that point were talking about, well, they probably just want to kind of do a safe play here and, uh, you know, get, get the half over, go down 10-7 uh, to 7 or whatever, and instead they take the ball, they chuck it downfield, and uh, Rock Yasin makes a nice play on it and is able to get the interception. But again, that ball, you know, wasn't a great decision to throw that ball where no, they threw it. No, no. The, there was, was coverage. It had no chance. It was coverage. Um, Yasin made a great, like you said, made a great play on it. Uh, actually looked like he turned his ankle on that play, kind of got rolled up on by an incoming Jaguar receiver who came in for the tackle. Um, he did come back to play in the second half, but you know he, he made one good play on Leonard Fournette where he tackles him and then wasn't able to get off the field by himself. Um, kind of fell to the ground in pain. You could tell that ankle was bothering him, so I'm kind of surprised he was able, even able to return to the game. That'll be another injury to keep an eye on for Thursday. Uh, Pierre Desir, you know, has already <clears throat> been out. Been out with Staying the out, haven't seen him, so. Um, who knows what's going on with Quincy Wilson. I think he's about in Deion Kane territory I, where the Colts are about done with him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I just... Just kind of the, the, I won't call it a mass unit necessarily back there in the defensive secondary, but they they need some bodies back there. And you've got a guy that they were fairly high on coming into the season, and he just keeps being a, a healthy scratch week in and week out. Yeah, so you got to think um, he's probably not going to be with the team going forward into 2020 um, since he's not even suiting up for games in which the Colts have injured starters. Um, someone who I thought has played pretty well the past few weeks is rookie corner Marvell Tell. You know, number 39 out there really looks very confident in coverage. Um, he almost got, he made a great like athletic leaping play and almost got his first career interception the other day. He did. He really did. He's one of those, uh, he played safety his last couple years at USC, but he had played corner previously to that. Colts switching back to a corner. He's got good size, about 6'2", long, um, very fast. So he's an exciting player who the Colts took a chance on an athlete. I believe he was a fifth-round pick. And if he's able to develop, Colts might have themselves a starting corner in Marvell Tell. I thought the defense tackled very well altogether. Oh, yeah. There were some uh, fan, some absolutely fantastic open field tackles that they made this week. Yeah, they they really, you know, they made contact with the Jaguars. They were going to the ground. There were not many broken tackles. Um, Really, the only Jaguar who had a good game was um, DJ Chark. Oh, yeah, yeah, that guy's all over the place, man. Uh, If you hadn't heard of him uh, before, you've heard of him now if you're a Colts fan because, boy, that guy's got some skill. Yeah, he really does. He's another guy, big, long, fast, um, out of LSU. I believe this is his second season, so... If he continues this, he's going to be regarded as one of the better receivers in the NFL very soon. And that, that touchdown that he had, that was 30-plus yards, uh, he just outran everybody after he got the ball. Yeah, yeah. That was I mean, of... even even Hooker out there, Hooker didn't, uh, I think Hooker didn't under, didn't maybe necessarily see how fast that guy was, didn't take a great angle on him, and just chuck ran right, right past him. Yeah, he's definitely a guy who will destroy angles with that kind of speed. 
Um, so that's something Colts fans will have to get used to going forward. The Jaguars actually have a good wide receiver, which what, they haven't had since haven't Jimmy that. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a little while. Uh, the Colts defense got the Foles twice. Justin Houston continued his streak. Now six straight games with the sack. That ties his longest personal sack streak um, of his career. He has eight sacks on the season, leads the Colts, and that ranks six in the National Football League. Kenny Moore, definitely a oh uh, Kenny Moore, lead, little Kenny Moore. That's right, lead candidate for uh, defensive player of this game. He had beat Colts' other sack overall stellar game. Uh, led the team with eight tackles, one of them for a loss, and had a very crucial pass defended where he kind of. I believe they were playing a zone on that play, but he kind of jumped from under, um, underneath Nick Foles' pass and was able to jump yep, up he, and tip he it away. He sank back and and was able to and that that again and and I hate to just be like this play, but that fourth and four play that Jacksonville went for and that was the one that he broke up, tipped away, and that that was huge. Yeah, because that that gave them decent field position. It was like uh, because it was uh, I think past midfield. Uh, gave Colts good field position. They ended up getting another touchdown there. And then suddenly this game that was 10-7 to is 24-7. to Absolutely. So really, all together, the Colts, you got to be happy with their performance. The only downside is losing Marlon Mack. Injuries, man. Uh, you know, Yasin, you don't know what his status is going to be. Uh, man, and it just seems like Yasin makes a good play, and then he's hurt. On Marlon Mack play. has a great play. Or has a great game, and then he goes out of the game. It's just, it's like how many, how many, and all NFL teams have injuries. It's they'll they'll tell you that, but it just seems like they just keep adding up, and you're just like at a point, is it ever going to stop? Yeah, well, you know, as soon as they get Brissett back, they lose. It seems like they can, like you said at the top, it's they just can't get everything together <laughs> all at once. That's right. Well, um, Colts fans will be very anxious to see how Jonathan Williams performs in the next game because if he can play like he played on Sunday and establish himself as a you know he doesn't have to be a game breaker for them but if he can establish himself as a reliable you know at least four yards per carry type running back um, someone who can add to a decent rotation with Williams Wilkins and Hines those three guys together can probably carry the load for the Colts until Marlon Mack is able to return if T.Y. can come back if Funches can come back you know, losing Mac, but getting back Funches and Ty kind of offsets it a little bit. If Williams is able to continue to play like he played on Sunday, they 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 need production is is what they need, and he showed you know that he was able to do that this week. The question is, can you do it another week? Uh, what I did like is it felt to me like the physicality of that offensive line returned in the running game. They still had some struggles in the past. Uh, C- Costanzo let a guy get around him. Uh, Braden Smith let a guy get around him on the right side, which unfortunately we have seen he struggles with guys that have a lot of speed and some moves. Um, but I, overall, I think the offensive line played, uh, no doubt, a lot better than they played the last couple weeks. No, they really did. And, you know, with the Braden Smith guard coming out of college that's kind of one of his limitations and why he wasn't considered more of a guy who can block on the edge as right. a tackle um he has surprised a lot of people in being able to hold up as well as he has in the nfl at that position and i don't think this would be a complete 
podcast here if we didn't talk about Quentin Nelson's celebration after that almost touchdown. Say if a very large man does a kickstand or a keg stand, but the keg stand doesn't count, was there ever a keg stand? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> you just hurt my brain on that one. Um, very disappointing that the touchdown didn't count, but we're going to be seeing that celebration. People going to remember for a long that time, one for and, a while. and maybe one day he'll really get a, a real one. Um, but I, I got to tell you, I was really surprised just seeing it. Uh, the eye test, uh, seeing that play in motion, I didn't think he had a chance of getting into the end zone. I didn't really think it was all that close, so I was really surprised when they whistled it as a touchdown. Uh, the weird thing is, though, when I saw the replay, I didn't really see a definitive angle one way or the other as to whether he got in. Uh, obviously, the referees uh, felt that he he was short, and that was probably the right call. Yeah, that was one of those they didn't really argue too hard. You no, saw the replay. No. like it, it didn't really look like he got in the first time, and then they looked at it again, and he didn't. Um, kind of a weird situation after that, a rule I'm not sure a lot of people were aware of, where you know he, he was an eligible player. You know, to to receive the ball mm-hmm. on the play right. before, so he could not come back in on the very next play and be an ineligible player and block. So, which you know, you you, you had said earlier in the in the the broadcast here or the podcast that you, why didn't they just run it on the fourth and goal there might at have the been one, a reason, yeah. and that might have been because you didn't have your road grader there at, at left guard. You know, because you did have to. You know, that does have a, a an effect, a kind of a domino effect on things. Well, he was eligible this play, can't come in and and be ineligible the next play. So, uh, and play the line. Now they could have called this exact same play and had him be fullback, and he would have been fine. But they couldn't put him back on the offensive line. Was my understanding of that rule. Um, so he couldn't come in and block. So that's that's probably why they went ahead and went with the pass play there. Yeah, that broke his streak. Um, Nelson he, he had, had never, missed a snap, right? No, his yeah. entire career he had never missed an offensive snap. Uh, so that broke that streak there. That was another just kind of one of funny plays. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of the um, Jackie Moon play from earlier <laughs> in the season that was so close, so close to working out. Maybe one of these games the Colts will get one of their um, tricky plays to work for them there. But uh, who would you say you can go ahead and go first on both of these as your offensive and defensive players of the game? Well, I, I think on offense, um, I'm going to just go Jonathan Williams on this. Uh, he had the yards for sure, but that I, I cannot overstate how important that third 19 play was that they got a 31-yard pass on kind of a little swing pass. Um, with good downfield blocking, he got a good burst on that. That was such a huge play for the team. I'm going to have to give him that. And then the, the fact that you know he hadn't really done a whole lot in his NFL career. He comes in, he has 100 yards on the ground. I thought he was just really solid. He had a, he popped a, a big run, and then he just had some runs where he was just dragging guys with him. And and I love to see that a hungry young running back out there for them. Um, and then defensively, I've got to go with Kenny Moore because he had the sack. He had a couple really nice open field tackles on guys. And then, again, I'm probably overstating the importance of everything, but the fourth and four bat away uh, pass defense there where they were able to stop Jacksonville I think was a huge, huge thing that really put the Colts in the driver's seat to win the football game. Yeah, it's hard to argue that, I guess, just for the sake of being different. I'm going to go Jacoby Brissett because you just saw the difference he made out there. <laughs> oh, over night, night and day Hoyer. from the last couple weeks. Oh, yeah. I, Especially last week. Last week was so bad. Yeah, d- despite how well the Colts ran the ball, I still think if it was Hoyer out there, the Jaguars would have had a legitimate shot to win the game at the end. I think Hoyer would have made the two or three mistakes that ke- kept Jaguars in it. Right. Um, so I think Jacoby Brissett, 
despite his, you know... The stat line's modest. Yeah. It's the most modest of all stat lines because he didn't even get 150 yards passing. But it's the efficiency, it's the decision-making, it's the fact that you feel like the team, when they're out there, they feel like they can do anything they want with Jacoby Brissett out and under center. Ability to avoid sacks and not get the Colts behind schedule. There were several times where... I remember one in particular, the guy is on him, he's dragging him to the ground, and he's able to just use his arm strength and throw it out there, throw it out of the bounds. Eric Ebron was in the area, so they didn't call um, grounding on that play. But just the ability to avoid sacks and setting the offense behind script and ending up in second and long, which often turns into third and long. Um, And his ability to avoid those negative plays is part of what helped the Colts run the ball so well because they got to keep running the ball because they weren't behind the chains and, and his ability to just fire that ball into Marcus Johnson like he threw that ball hard oh yeah in order to get that touchdown there and then that was one and we talked about just sort of the the I don't want to say he dances around but just the fact he's able to avoid the pressure buy some time and then find a guy in a very congested space and really even when you looked at the replay nobody else had a chance to get that ball except for Marcus Johnson so uh, I have no problems with you uh, picking Jacoby Brissett as your offensive player of the game. Yeah, and you know, I like to be different, but I really can't on defense. Kenny Moore, far Dude, and away, everywhere this week. He is an excellent player, and he is well worth the money the Colts paid him over the off season. Um, let's look at the AFC South here because the Colts are back on top of the division due to the Texans losing to Baltimore, um, and really they just didn't even show up. Forty-one to seven. Where was the offense to Sean Watson, 18 of 29 for 169 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Oh, so he must have ran the ball a lot, right? No, just 12 yards on the ground. He was sacked seven times in this game. There are times where Deshaun Watson looks like a league MVP, and then there are other times where Deshaun Watson looks like maybe an average quarterback at best. And you have to wonder if the Texans ever get a general manager is that general manager going to fire Bill O'Brien? Because it just does not seem like he's making the adjustments. He is scheming the Texans into a position to be able to win these games. Because if you're not able to block for your quarterback, you got to do something different. You got to get some screen passes, mixed direction, quicker passes. And it just seems like the Texans were content. You know, they, 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 it reminds me of the Colts a couple years ago when I, they I was had. Just, I was just going to say the exact same thing. Andrew Luck and the offensive coordinator kept drawing up these long developing plays where they asked him to sit in a pocket that wasn't there, and he just took a beating after beating after beating, and we eventually saw the end result of all those beatings. Right, is he and that's an early retirement anymore. for what should be a franchise quarterback for a decade. Absolutely. So you just have to have those concerns with Watson where, sure, he's a division rival, but he is just such a thrill to watch when he's not playing the horseshoe that you would hate to see something like that happen to him. Uh, the Texans might not have scored at all if it wasn't for a 41-yard fourth-quarter run by Carlos Hyde, put them on the board, kept them from having to do the old naked lap there. Um Lamar Jackson, you know, you want to talk about MVPs. He's certainly making his case. He went 17 of 24 for 222 yards, four touchdown passes, no interception, added another nine runs for 86 yards on the ground. He is on pace for 3,600 passing yards, 30 passing touchdowns, only eight interceptions, and 
over 1,200 rushing yards, which would destroy Michael Vick's single-season quarterback rushing record of 1,063 set back in 2006. And um, Lamar is also on pace for another nine uh, touchdowns on the ground there. So, you know, as the season goes along and some of the players who started hot start to fade away or their teams aren't winning anymore and the MVP race really gets narrowed down, I think it's really at this point between Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson and the Baltimore Ravens beat the Seahawks earlier in the season. So that kind of gives Jackson the tiebreaker in my eyes. Well, and they had that big win against New England a couple weeks ago, you know, and they beat them into the ground. They could not solve him, Uh, you know, so until and unless he has a misstep or a couple of missteps down here down the stretch, I think you've got to put him at the top of your MVP consideration. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, McCaffrey continues to just be absolutely amazing, but the Panthers are losing games mm-hmm. now. Um, yep. They got embarrassed this week. Yeah, their quarter, Kyle Allen throwing four interceptions kind of makes you go, well, maybe we'll give Cam Newton a shot once he comes back. <laughs> we'll see how all that goes. Um, you know, I, I know this is a Colts podcast, but we'll give another minute here. Newton, well, there was all the rumors Newton might go to Chicago after the season, and then did you watch the game last night? Trubisky gets benched. You know, they called it a I, hip. I heard that he had a quote-unquote hip injury yeah, last quote, night. quote-unquote hip injury, sure. It, it just very interesting to see. You know, there, there's a lot of Bears fans in Indiana as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes, there are. And it'll be very interesting to see what happens to their quarterback situation, not only going in the forward weeks here. Are they going to just give up on Trubisky and go to Chase Daniels? But what's going to happen next season it is never boring in the NFL. Goodness, you they gave up a lot to get Trubisky, didn't they? Yeah, they they traded up from pick 3 to 2 to the <laughs> to get the quarterback that probably would have been there at 3 if they'd have stayed. Absolutely. But maybe because they were worried that the um 49ers were going to take Trubisky, but if they wanted Trubisky, they wouldn't have traded with you in the first place. <laughs> so and then you know it's been well documented but they passed up on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes for Trubisky so you gotta you know we talked about all the bad luck Colts have had with injuries gotta feel bad for Bears fans yeah (laughs) yeah we do we do sympathize with the the drafting of Drafting and kicking, they missed a few more kicks that night as well. So. It's, it, it's been a tough, uh, tough team to be a fan of lately. Yeah, I've got, right. I've got several friends who are ba- Bears fans, so I can definitely testify to that. Yeah, but enough about the Bears and enough of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. That'll about do it for us here today. On Wednesday, I will be joined by Mike Chapel and Dave Griffiths, and we will pregame uh, the Colts matchup for the division lead of the AFC South this Thursday. Say, so, yeah, this is a huge game for the Colts. They win. Uh, you know, they've got a real shot to kind of take control of the division here, which is insane. I mean, after what we <laughs> saw against Pittsburgh and what we saw against Miami, they, they had been on that pedestal. They let it slip away, and they got a chance to get it all back. Crazy what a difference ma- having your starting quarterback makes, huh? <laughs> it, it is astounding. Yeah. You would think that the guy that you want, you know, being in there, that that would make a big difference. Yeah, and it certainly does. So we will see you guys on Thursday. Um, Thank you for listening. Again, I am Joe Hopkins. Uh, With me is Matt Adams. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Colts Bluesum. You can follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe, and you can follow Matt at Stato Maddie. And um, enjoy this win, Colts fans, because it's been a few weeks. It has been. 